Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and sitting across from me are two very handsome men. One is named Richard, mm-hmm. and one is named Michael. Howdy. And despite their good looks, they have tragic flaws. That is, they are argumentative, and they have a um, this kind of a, a disposition that requires them to go counter and defiant. They have objective defiance disorder, for which they cannot agree on anything. Yes, we can. Oh, God, I knew it. <laughs> uh, but it sure makes for a hot podcast, and you as the audience are the benefactor of this. And this time around, we're talking about the Mount Rushmore of Amnesia. Whose idea was this, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff? Forget. Uh, I think it's mine. Uh, as depicted in cinema and yeah. uh, pop culture. Are there any good songs about amnesia? I don't know. I didn't bother I, uh, to look. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's good songs about it, but all I know is it seems to be a trope. Yeah. And as a kid, I thought two things, quicksand and amnesia <laughs> would feature more greatly in, in my life based on the amount of times you would see it in a show. Like it seems like quicksand was in every Western or even like Gilligan's Island had some quicksand on it. And I bet there was some amnesia on Gilligan's Island amnesia? too. Don't, don't not, don't rule out amnesia. Don't yeah. rule out Gilligan's the, Island for having every trope. Yeah. Oh, okay. The Activision uh, video game Pitfall had some quicksand. Did it have quicksand? Yeah. You, part, had, you could fall into the quicksand. I think Brady Bunch, there was some quicksand in their yard at one episode or <laughs> something like that. I think I remember Andy Rooney did a special episode where he was sinking in quicksand during 60 minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but amnesia de- even more so. Uh, and from what I understand, it it does occur in real life, but in much a, a much different way. But uh, I'm kind of fascinated with how it occurs in pop culture, or in history, or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and I'm interested to hear what you guys want to say about it. But my my immediate family has experienced it in a really interesting way, and it's a different type of amnesia. It's like a, a uh, they're just trying to forget you. They're trying to forget. <laughs> they have not returned any you of my calls. <laughs> so it's. I mean, I'm a first person. I'm really feeling it. This amnesia. Um, I've put out a, recently a bunch of job applications, and they seem to forget that I've submitted them. <laughs> the recruiters from many of these organizations. Uh, no, my, my stepfather had uh, a situation where he. Um, uh, suddenly, uh, essentially kind of felt disoriented and did feel like he didn't know where he was. And then he, uh, my sister, uh, sat down with him and said, he said, where am I? What, 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 what's been going on? What, what's, what's happening? And she said, well, you're at your home, uh, dad, you're, I'm your daughter and you're okay. And he said, oh, okay. I, I guess I'll just, uh, Wow, I don't know what's going on. I, I'll I'll feel better if I have a candy bar and a Coke because his whole life he 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 likes Coke and a candy bar. <laughs> For some reason, that helps him feel better. And then, uh, twenty minutes later, he says, "Where am I? What's going on? Uh, who? What? Polly? How did I? How did I get here?" And she said, "Dad, you've been sitting here for the, most of the afternoon." And he would say, "Oh." Okay, I didn't. I feel strange. I guess I'll feel better if I have a candy bar and a Coke. And he would repeat that over and over again. Wow. And it happened to my stepbrother. His son, my stepbrother, mm. had the same thing happen to him. It was a hereditary disorder where he was he was in a park, and he sat he sat down on a park bench, and ended up calling 
nine one one because he had had he had realized he was disoriented, didn't know what what wow. he had done a minute before. So it can happen in real life. Is there a treatment for that, or other than a it, coke and a candy yeah, bar? Yeah, candy bar and a coke. <laughs> it just went away after the doctors figured out what it was. Something like global. It was. I think the word global in it was was one of the terms. But uh, you know, if I if I know. TVs and cartoons, a big mallet right to the head yeah. usually fixes it real quick. <laughs> yeah, uh, he just bit into an electrical socket. Uh, <laughs> no, it, uh, after 24 hours, wow. it went away. Now, but, did this happen frequently? Or was it just like a one-time thing that just like popped up? Or is it like... It's only happened in... There was only one instance of this repetition. Huh. But they said... She said it repeated so often and in such a consistent way that... She thought he was punking them because he would always say the thing about the candy bar and a Coke. Because no matter where you go, there you are. He was yeah. always, mm. that's always been how he's dealt with it in the past. Um, like if he had hangovers, it was, for some reason that was just his, his thing. Well, a Coke, Coke was kind of a pharmaceutical thing for, for people years and years ago. Anyway, but uh, they thought it was so maddening for them to experience because it almost seemed like it was scripted because his disorientation would happen in the same way each time and then his self diagnosis <laughs> and then his his treatment would be the same thing each time um but i don't know okay so and we maybe discuss how it is in real life or we may be discussing popular culture kind of things anyhow so boy sure. we're, we're gonna get silly i mean okay. I, I, you're all you're i'm okay. all silly i would also like to tell you guys that i've searched through uh our archives and we've done this topic 17 times uh -oh. in the what yeah <laughs> All right, uh, Michael, you start. Okay. Okay. Uh, my first choice uh, is Jason Bourne in the Bourne okay. Identity yeah. series. Yeah. Sure. Where uh, Jason Bourne, whose real name is actually David Webb, is like a CIA uh, hitman, kind of secret agent sort of guy. And he's been um, uh, kind of stationed in Paris on, for a few years and pulling off kind of assassinations and various other kind of uh, kill jobs and then he's um, uh, thrown off of a boat or gets knocked off of a boat and he's found in the water and when he wakes up he's has no memory of who he was and he, he kind of comes to sh comes to he's rescued and taken on the boat and has no memory of anything and he's brought to shore and, uh, and the memory of who he was is gone but none of like these kind of deeper memories of his like cia yeah. black ops training his, training his ability to speak multiple language and to instinctively know how to fight and mm -hmm. hide and get away from people and figure out where he yeah. has like money stashed so he has like this dual level thing where there's like a deeper thing that is broken in him um or or there's a deeper thing in him that like exists because of this training but who he is as a person is mm -hmm. He has he has no idea, and um, throughout the the book series, I I don't know. I'm going off the movies because I I know that it was based on like a Robert Ludlum mm -hmm. book, but um, the in the movie he is just trying to find some sort of like solace and get away from all of this stuff and not cause any more damage. Yeah. And of course, over the course of three movies, well, maybe four, five if you include the whatever reboot thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, he eventually gains his memory back and remembers who he is, but by that time he's kind of like, uh, you know, he still wants to be ultimately left alone. He's a certified daycare provider. 
<laughs> oh my God, I got to get back to that job. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's always like, you know, identity, obviously, who am I? What am I doing is, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the question throughout the movie um, and just being appalled at the things that you're finding out about yourself. Yeah. Like the yeah. person that you're trained to be isn't the person that you know yourself to be, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You've done these <laughs> things. And then you start finding out, oh, I killed these people. I murdered these people. Yeah. This is, I was good at it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. doing it. All mm-hmm. these different aspects until I think yeah. in the second film or maybe it was even the third, he discovers why he was on that boat. And it was to like to kill some high mucky muck, but he, some high their level kids, fish. But their kids were like involved. So he couldn't, oh. so he couldn't pull the trigger. He uh-huh. couldn't, you know, even though he'd been trained to kill anybody in his uh-huh. way. Um, but just great stuff, you know, just great dealing with the ability to not to not understand, to know that you have these powers. Yeah. Um, but then still not to know you, your last name. That's what I think is interesting about it is the selective memory. Hmm. Knowing, like, uh, some some of us had had a, you maybe due to some kind of uh, uh, substance use <laughs> at times where you blacked out. Where you, sure, for sure. You knew you were at a party, but yeah. then you woke up the next day. Uh, I, I've I've had an instance. I had an instance once where I was. Uh, uh, I a friend called me. Some friends called me, and I was taking an afternoon nap, and they were calling me to invite me out to a party or something like that, which is rare. <laughs> but the answering machine had picked up, and started recording as if it was they were leaving a message. This was back in the day in high school. Did your did your answering machine go wait for the <laughs> wait for the beat? You gotta leave your name. You gotta <laughs> leave your number. Um, but so you, I could hear myself being sl- sleep talking and being very rude to them. Like I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, I would love to. I'm so tired, but people keep calling me. <laughs> I rarely ever got invited to parties or anything like that. But it's, so I didn't remember that of being an asshole. Mm. Um, and Jason Board didn't remember. He, he seemed like almost like his morality was reset too, hmm. because whatever the previous guy, there's what there's knowledge, and then there's morality, and those two things were yeah, definitely that compromised. The, the, the the David Webb character, um, his yeah, his morality was basically reset to uh-huh. to normal. Yeah, it wasn't. It was all just trained out of him by whatever operation uh-huh. treadstone or uh-huh. all the different programs that were built to beat the humanity out of them. Yeah. But when he, that's quite interesting. It's interesting that the, the, the knowledge came back. The knowledge was accessible, but the, the compromised morality was not It's like, I'm, yeah, I'm a good like, guy now. It's like, yeah, he, um, he got, he was able to do, it was like a, like a cheat code in a video game. He could do all the things he didn't, know how he got to be able to know how to do the things. Yeah. He, but he could still speak French and German yeah. and, yeah. you know, drive a mini down a yeah. steep staircase really <laughs> right. quickly and evade. All right, Manfredi, what do you got? All right. <clears throat> My first choice is the movie Memento. Oh. Okay, yeah. Where uh, Leonard Shelby is uh, searching for a person who attacked his wife and him killing her and giving him enterograde amnesia. Which basically means he has no ability to form new new memories, and so in order to, he kind of goes from town to town, following uh, clues, and the only way he's able to remember these clues is to either take uh, Polaroids and file them in this very intricate system that he's got, or to get tattoos. So his whole body is covered with tattoos. 
mm-hmm. sort of with these different clues. Um, and I just remember watching this movie, and it's inter- I find it fascinating because the whole structure of the movie is meant to simulate what it would be like to be Leonard Shelby and not be able to remember things in any sort of coherent or cognitive yeah. fashion. The way that it sort of plays, half the movie plays forward and half the movie plays in reverse. Mm-hmm. So you're never quite sure. You're you're getting information, or you're being shown the after effects of information that you haven't seen yeah. yet. So you don't really know what it is. But then there's other scenes where you know things that mm-hmm. he doesn't. And it's very disorienting. And I just love that idea of of Christopher Nolan being able to make a movie that sort of captures that sort of just horror and confusion you must have yeah. and not being able to, you know, retain any memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does seem like he's been on that track and maybe Tenet was kind of like, a, I don't know, his last <laughs> retelling of that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Do you think that there's some aspect to amnesia that we connect with because we all forget things or we all are vulnerable we have memory is vulnerable and I think memory is yeah. Yeah, memory is vulnerable i think we all know people who have lost their memories either you know either it, whether it's amnesia or dementia uh-huh. or something else where you know i know for me that would be awful if i couldn't remember all of these yeah great times that i've had over the years and all of these people that i've met mm-hmm. and to have that taken away from you must be just terrible yeah and then you take that and then you take it to the idea of Memento where he is trying, he is, he, he doesn't remember what happened. He doesn't really know. He knows that he has these clues, but he doesn't know how he got them. Uh-huh. He doesn't have any way to connect them together. Yeah. Other than, like I said, these Polaroids, all this writing on the back. And ultimately he's kind of being used by uh, Joe Pantaloni's mm-hmm. uh, character to, uh, He's manipulating him and basically yeah. using his lack of a memory against him. Yeah. Isn't there also another, pl- or, uh, if not a plot, a, a story within it about a person feigning amnesia to commit insurance fraud? That's that's the thing is that uh, Leonard was a, uh, I think he was an insurance investigator. Okay. And yeah, it's Stephen Tobolarski, who, um, who he... Needle Nose Ned. Needle Nose, good old <laughs> Needle Nose Ned, um, who uh, he remembers as... Uh, being someone who claimed to have anterograde amnesia, but they did tests that kind of confirmed that he was able to learn tax through repetition. And so yeah. he turned down his insurance claim and he wound up killing his wife Yeah. after after that happened. Uh-huh. So yeah, so there was a little bit of a, that's part of the, the back plot behind it. Yeah. I think it's funny because I, even though I'm trying to think in, in stories, um, there's an element of like forgiveness. So in a way, forgiveness is the ability to forget temporarily or, or to put aside the emotions and re- regret we may have for negative interactions with another person. Right. And so forgiveness is all, almost a kind of like um, uh, letting something go. And I almost feel like there's an adjacency to that. Like when we see somebody... Christopher Nolan's character, or uh, Guy Pierce's character, being manipulated by people, mm-hmm. we feel it because we think there's times where 
we took somebody back into our life because we forgot how they how they treated how us they treated the us yeah. before. Sure. <laughs> People have selective memories uh, because I think optimism right gives mm. them this desire to to think that maybe they misremembered or or the person has changed or something like that. So I think those films that are about amnesia kind of impact us because we have short term memories for sometimes for those who who neglected us, yet we want them to be in our lives. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, also part of it is just, you know, I think to that point, Leonard is not able to move past it because he just physically, yeah. in his case, he just cannot move past it. Yeah. He doesn't have the mental facility to do it. Yeah. But that's also, I think, a analogy for a lot of people who go through traumatic things and aren't able to yeah. probably wish they could, Forget wish they could forget. Yeah, and, and can't. Yeah, or in this case, maybe a wish they could, um, uh, the, the gift, me- memory is wisdom. You, 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 can, sure. you can now uh, prevent yourself from being fooled twice, you know, and, yeah. because that's shame on you. So uh, that's interesting. All right. Uh, by, by the way, I, yeah. I started with the heaviest one to start with, which oh, I realized okay. looking, looking back on this, Maybe that's not the best for the podcast, <laughs> but so guys, it gets, it gets more fun as we go on. Okay. All right. What do you got for your second one? Michael? Uh, my second one is Fester Adams, AKA Gordon <laughs> uh, Craven in the movie, the Adams family. Nice. Um, where uh, 25 years before the movie starts, uh, Fester Adams has gone disappearing in the Bermuda triangle and um, Gomez Adams, 25 years years later, his current lawyer is just trying to figure out some way to get some money out of this, mm-hmm. out of this guy. And in walks this uh, woman, Abigail Craven, um, who's kind of like the scheming, uh, yeah, this scheming mm-hmm. old lady, uh-huh. not even old, um, trying to figure out a way to uh, manipulate uh, Gomez Adams with her son, who looks suspiciously like Fester Adams. Mm -hmm. And so she shaves his head, and she, you know, tries to use him to trick Gomez into revealing all of his secret fortunes, and it's, you know, ridiculous. And then, of course, he actually turns out to be uh, Fester Adams, who has, you know, lost his memory in the Bermuda Triangle Uh 25 years before. So he was a person who was pretending to be the person he was... He actually was. He actually was. Uh-huh. And then, of course, a bolt of lightning, uh, you know, cures cures uh-huh. his amnesia, as all these comedies oh, and traumas do, and restores him back to being more of a, yeah. you know, throughout the film, um, Christopher Lloyd kind of, he starts to change the Fester character, even though he's not remembering that he's Fester, starts mm-hmm. to have more fun um, until finally it clicks at the end, and he's just like, you know, yeah. kind of crazy again. <laughs> but, um, you know, I... I always appreciate like a good silly amnesia trauma and mm-hmm. um, you know, the ending always seemed kind of like it was always going to turn into him actually being Fester Adams and her, the, mm-hmm. the, the mother the kind of revealing at the end that I found you in the Bermuda triangle and whatever. And it's just, you know, a little corny, a little cartoonish, <laughs> but there's a great uh, Gilbert Gottfried podcast where Barry Sonnenfeld talking about the 4k mm re-release of yeah of uh adam's family and but part of the fun is talking about christopher lloyd who had they had uh for fester they had tried all these prosthetics and things on him 
to do the makeup and the yeah. character stuff. And um, they weren't working. And they brought Christopher Lloyd in to say, hey, I'm sorry, these things aren't working. And But at the same time, in the same day, they were auditioning for his stand-in for the setting up the lights and things like that. And Christopher Lloyd was really upset with Barry Sonnenfeld. And he said, uh, God, I'm just so upset. This is just horrifying. And Barry Sonnenfeld said, well, why? Because I really want the part. And he said, you've got the part. He said, well, why are you auditioning all these festers outside? Because <laughs> he'd see all these bald guys outside auditioning. and said, no, those are your stand-ins, you idiot. You got the part. And he was saying everything that Fester ever was was just Christopher Lloyd scrunching his face up and like they get, they got rid of the prosthetics, but they said Christopher Lloyd is a human prosthetic. He can just <laughs> he can just make his face look weird and hunch his shoulders up. So that uh, is so delightful. That's a lot of fun. Those uh the Adam Shelley movies are quite great. Oh god, yeah. They're yeah, they're really good. They're zany, like especially Adam's Family Two is zany in the same oh, way yeah. that like Gremlins Two is zany. Yeah. And maybe mm, could be a slightly better movie than Gremlins, yeah. which we watched the other night. Um, somehow some sequels manage to just take it to the next level and just understand their own absurdity. Yeah. And uh, the Adam's Family movies, I, you know, just kind of have that too. Uh-huh. They have that, you know, it's based on a ridiculous yeah. thing anyway. Yeah. He said two two weeks, oh, Ken Adam, the, the Bond art director, did the Adam's Family house. Mm. And he said two weeks after they tore down the Adam's Family house, they greenlit Adam's Family too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the it does seem in, actually inspired by the Charles Adam, you know, kind of like the Charles Adams artwork and yeah. the silliness and and un and just um, conspiratorial strangeness of it. And Raúl Julia's joie de vivre is just unmatched. Like Gomez loves. Here's this person surrounded by death who loves life more than anybody you could even imagine just celebrates it well i think there's there's also you know there's getting back to the amnesia of it all you know he so desperately wants to believe that this person is his brother i mean it is Mm -hmm. his brother yeah but he's you know he doesn't quite say the same things the person's personality is a little wrong and he can't he just can't believe he can't put his finger on it even though someone looks physically and is physically the person yeah you know uh memory and personality goes a long way into just being who uh-huh. who you are as a person, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that's, uh, he was always in there, but obviously just needed a bolt of lightning to his yeah. head to un- unclog yeah. it or whatever. What was that, what was that movie Summersby? Did you ever see that? It was like Richard Gere and... Sure, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, kind of core to the plot was the idea that soldiers, returning soldiers from the Civil War, some of them had been so scarred and so traumatized that they why they're physically or psychologically unrecognizable from mm. from what they were, and so people were kind of used to men uh, crawling back to the farms and homes that they had, and people would say, "Well, we think that's <laughs> Richard, but it might be somebody else, or mm. we we think that that's this person, uh, and we'll just kind of have to kind of ex- take their word for it because we hadn't seen him in four years." They were they were didn't have photographs. They didn't have photographs. They were a twelve year old when they left, hmm. and they're they're seventeen now, hmm. and they look totally different. So, 
All right, Manfredi. All right, my second choice is the real-life disappearance of Agatha Christie. Ooh. Oh, I didn't know this happened. You didn't hear about this? You never mm-hmm. knew about this? No. Uh, wait a second. It was the butler who did it all. Okay. <laughs> yes. It, was it like a vacationing seaside sort of thing? Um, well, sort of, yeah. Okay. I've heard I, I, my memory. I've seen a movie about this thing, or I saw hmm. the movie that she... Or the story that she made. Go ahead. I'm sure. Off the rails. No, no, it's okay. Um, Nineteen twenty-six. A night uh, just like tonight. Very. It was a dark. It was a dark and stormy night. In fact, um, Agatha Christie uh, goes missing from her house. Um, just about nine forty-five, she drives away from the house. She goes upstairs, kiss her daughter goodbye. A little while, a little while later, her uh, abandoned car is found crashed at the bottom of the hill, and nobody can find her. Oh, wow. And this leads to a nationwide manhunt, as you can imagine, the most famous author, wow. perhaps in the world, wow. that suddenly disappeared. Wow. Arthur Conan Doyle um, gets involved. Uh, several other kind of crime writers all get involved to try and figure <laughs> out uh, what's going on. Arthur Conan I love Doyle, it. being Arthur Conan Doyle, takes her, her glove to a mystic to try and figure out if <laughs> if they can piece together to this medium can piece together what happened samuel clements gets on a riverboat yes <laughs> Down the mighty Mississippi. it was the frog that did it wasn't it, it that was the jumping frog the uh, celebrated jumping frog of calaveras turns, county turns out agatha christie was on the run from injun joe injun joe <laughs> um and so 11 days later they discovered her at a, a spa hotel in harrogate okay. in england um, she had checked in under her the name of Nell, and she had claimed that she was from Cape Town, South Africa. And it just Kathy sort of Bates had broken her legs, had snapped her legs <laughs> like a twig. Um, and what's really fascinating about this is she had recently gone through this kind of emotional trauma of finding out that her husband was having an affair. And was continuing oh. to cheat on her with her with his paramour mm-hmm. at the time, and so there has been for ever since then. This has been a big mystery: is did Agatha Christie really have amnesia because she claimed that she couldn't remember who she was? She sort of checked in and sort of had this assumed name and everything because that's who they that's who she, she thought she was, and. There's just competing theories about this. Much like a good Agatha Christie no- novel, mm-hmm. there's twists and turns wow. all over the place. I mean, it could be that she was like a freak, in a fugue, fugue state, mm-hmm. or or that she had had some sort of uh, psychological breakdown, basically, that led to her, her having temporary amnesia. Or it's possible the other thing that's been speculated is that she didn't have amnesia at all, and she was doing this just to get revenge on her husband oh. and try to make things as difficult as possible for him and mm-hmm. kind of to let everyone know what was going on in the most spectacular way possible. And nobody knows the answer. Wow. It's just an unsolved mystery. Wow. Mm. What's the unsolved mystery music that we're not allowed to play? (laughs) Right. Because we'll get sued by Warner Music or whatever. At what point in her her career was this after, well, Conan Doyle, you know, responded. She must have been, it was a cause celeb or whatever at this point. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, she was one of the most famous. was 26, the first uh, Hercule Poirot novel Mm -hmm. comes out in 1920. So she's very much Agatha Christie Uh at this point. 
I wonder if she had fallen down a mine shaft, would all the authors have con- come to, together to, to like, sing a song about it? Yeah, have sing a song to, to write a, mis- <laughs> a, a big story yeah. sending our love down a the well. S- <laughs> the mystery of love. There's <laughs> no mystery, we love you. So, did she, I mean, okay. Did she, like, were there were there any, like, clues that she left that... Like how do how was she discovered? Who discovered? Oh, somebody because it was all over the newspapers, and eventually somebody who was her the, big button that she was wearing that says "I'm, I'm Agatha Christie." <laughs> ask me about Hercule Poirot. <laughs> um, yeah, and eventually somebody who was at the spa hotel recognized her and called the police. I mean, be, and then did she? Uh, it would be like if Stephen King went missing today and was just hanging out at a hotel somewhere. Yeah. Somebody would yeah. go, hey. The quality in and sweets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in Banger, Maine. In Banger, Maine. <laughs> Somebody would but realize. But I mean, like, when they came up to her, did did she be like, oh, yeah, I am Agatha Christie. You're right. Or is yeah. she like, no, I'm now. How long did that, like. I don't know. That's a good mm. question. And I don't, I don't, I, my research did not come up with the answer to that. That feels like a streamer. That feels like a thing on the streamer with Jeremy Irons as Conan Doyle. Mm. Meryl Streep is now slash. Agatha. Yeah. There's a, there is a Netflix movie that I walked in coming home one night after recording a podcast that Emily was like four fifths of the way in. And it oh. was about this. Oh, it was really? Yeah. Oh, so okay. I, I have no actual memory of, I just know these, these tiny little bits and pieces about this, but I think there, there's something out there you can find pretty easily. <laughs> and Danielle Steele is like, wishes she could forget like <laughs> that she was Danielle Steele. Okay. All right, so we uh, are at our halftime, and we haven't forgotten about you, our audience. Nail it. We still want to invite you to submit uh, topics for future episodes. You haven't in four years, but we think you're just holding, what are you just you're holding saving up. Saving them up. Saving them up. <laughs> saving up. Or if the new year starts, we're going to get like yeah. a thousand of these. For Topic Storm 2022, the topical storm. A topical storm. Oh my gosh. You did it. You did it. Was I supposed to be checking our email the last four years? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. I thought you were checking. The the suggestion box. The Rushmore (laughs) suggestion box. (laughs) It's completely full up at this point. Stop. Just stop. Go away. Grow a a pair and quit. Uh, So, yeah. So, we would, we're expecting 2022 to be the big year of suggestions. Uh, we mentioned just there's something about Facebook or Instagram or Twitter that's blocking them, and maybe we just need to unlock comments or something like that. Uh, and that would be topics that we could tackle in future episodes. So please do that. And if you're if you're within the sound of my voice and you can share this podcast with one other person, that would be a huge favor to us because 2022 is the year we break through. Oh, nailed it. Hey, it's the holiday season, so like, give the gift. Of 297 yeah. episodes. <laughs> 298. This one's 298. And, uh, you know, hey, it's coming up. I, which, uh, oh, I guess we're already past the. No, the New Year's coming up here. Mm-hmm. And so uh, mm-hmm. Richard and Michael and I are wearing our 2022 uh, novelty glasses right yep. now. Well, the, I, the zero of the 2000, the zero, that zero is easy to look through, but this two, the last two is kind of hard to. Kind of yeah, driving right. over here is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I crashed into a few cars, yeah. and um, and it's 
It's expensive to get those prescriptions because it's to, <laughs> to cut the glass in the inside the tube. <laughs> so right. <far. laughs> okay, we're back, and uh, it is Michael's responsibility to let us know his third choice. My third choice is Kermit the Frog in the movie Muppets Take oh, Manhattan. Yes. Oh, lovely. Uh, lovely. Where, where uh, Kermit uh, has been tasked with trying to get the band back together yeah. um, after a. You know, they've kind of the Muppets have split up after a number of years or something. Uh-huh. And he's uh, finally worked on this big musical sort of thing and trying to find someone <laughs> to produce it. And he goes to New York to, and he's going to get everybody back together. And so there's everyone starts coming in from all around the world and Rolf the dog and Miss Piggy. And I can name off a dozen other Muppets. Yeah. And then he's coming down from the person that's going to produce, you know, he's. Going back to tell everybody that he found someone to produce this musical and bam, gets hit by a taxi. And he wakes up in the hospital and he has no memory of anything. So the entire huge production is put on hold until he can figure it out. And so that the hospital releases him and he doesn't know who he is and he's walking around. And the first thing he starts to notice is like other frogs Mm -hmm. that look exactly like him in various shades of greens and blues. Yeah. And their names are all Gil and Bill and Phil. Bill. <laughs> and then he decides that his name is he's going to get a job. He's, his name is going to be Phil. Uh-huh. Philip Phil. <laughs> and uh, he gets a job at an ad agency. Yeah. And he just tells that what I like is he just tells the truth. It's like the soap is good and it will get your body clean. <laughs> he also forgets his. And it also brings up. The fact he very easily forgets his attraction to Miss Piggy, like doesn't he? He's unattracted to Miss Piggy when he sees her, or she says, "Kirby, well, we're we're married." Or so whatever. and they start <laughs> laughing at her, basically. Yeah, yeah, he um um you know there's a his big like memory you know return moment is he he and the the rest of the frogs go into this happen into the same diner that mm-hmm. he was kind of working at, or he was you know where yeah. everyone was you know they're on their last day of course trying to find mm-hmm. him before. Yeah. You know, the whatever would mm-hmm. happen, the the what's it's and the who's it's. Yeah. And he's sitting in the in the diner and he starts kind of like, you know, that, that memory thing starts coming back where he's just like tapping on glasses and he starts tapping uh-huh. the together again tune. <laughs> and he's like, Kermit, you can't believe you're here. And he's like, I don't know who you people are, but I'm really happy to meet you. And Kermit, you know, Miss Piggy's like, don't, but you remember me, Kermit? Yeah. And he's like, we were going to get married. He's like, love a pig. Ha, 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 ha. You know, she gives him a big, a big high ya karate chop and he goes flying and bang more trauma and yeah. his memory returns. Uh, love, love a good, I love a good trauma memory return yeah. Yeah. going away, uh, you know, especially <laughs> cartoon style. Okay. Uh, man, Freddie. All right. My third choice is the eternal sunshine of the spotless oh, mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where kind of a near future, I guess, or a sort of alternate yeah. universe sort of thing where, um, people, there's a company that has the ability to remove specific memories from people's minds. And so I kind of look at this as being still so, kind of like selective amnesia, mm-hmm. very selective as in you actually selected the <laughs> yeah. amnesia yeah. that you wanted to get. Um, and in this case, Kate Winslet's character, Clementine, uh, has a bad breakup with, uh, Jim Carrey. Which everyone should. <laughs> Jim Carrey break up as quickly as uh, possible with him. Yeah. Um, but she basically wants to undergo. Uh, she go, undergoes a procedure and just wipes him from his, 
her mind. Mm-hmm. And he finds out about it and decides he wants to do the same thing. But then kind of as the procedure is happening, he starts to rec- realize, I don't actually want to forget her. And he went, so he's kind of trying to fight the procedure off as it's mm. taking place inside his head. Mm-hmm. I loved this movie when it came out. And I still love it. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it, I, in some ways it can feel like a very depressing movie because mm-hmm. it's about a breakup. But then at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, um, they wind up reconnecting and they realize that they had gone through this. They had been dating and had broken up and had decided to erase each other from their memories. And in spite of that, they decide to start dating again. Yeah. Because maybe this time will be different. Hmm. And it ends on that kind of ambiguous mm-hmm. ending. Like, we don't know, did it work out for them this time? Yeah. Or are they just destined to be two people who are, like, very much in love with each other, but also very yeah. antagonistic toward each other, and it's just never going to work, no matter yeah. what. You know, and and the idea that you could, we were talking about that a little bit with Memento, mm-hmm. you know, th- there are certain things that you would like to forget in your life. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if all of the traumatic things in your life, you just didn't remember them? Yeah. But I mean, the reality is that it's those traumas that are a big part of what make you kind of who you are. Yeah. You know? So if you are, were able to do that and were able to erase like a, this very strong, but very ultimately mm-hmm. very poorly ended relationship, mm-hmm. would you want to do that? And would that be healthy for you? Yeah. And I've thought about that myself. Like, what would happen if I had a bad relationship? Would I want to mm-hmm. zap it out of my mind? Mm-hmm. Just, just, I don't think just so. Hit, just hit the delete on these podcast episodes. We got it, Rich. <laughs> oh. All you got to do is just erase all the files. and We, <laughs> we zapped it we around. Get rid of six years so of... So much uh, trauma. Yeah, a lot of trauma. <laughs> therapy. Well, okay. To, yeah. do, to do what I used to do historically and try to kind of find a through line, I feel like Michael... Well, at least my take on it is people... Well, he wants to wrap it up with pick three. No, like you, you know that this is getting tough. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think yeah. it's interesting. You've mentioned a few uh, of amnesias and memory uh, blocks that were uh, in, inspired by romantic trauma. And sure. Not Leonard Shelby, although he... That's his wife, so yeah. it kind of is. Yeah. So it's interesting that some of the most um, potent... So, some of the most potent memories and hurtful memories we can be driven to or uh, automatically block out because of just the trauma that they, they cause. And that's, that's why people go into shock is to to protect themselves from pain. Yeah. So I find that really interesting. And in your case, I I consider the Muppets a family and I feel like uh, Adams is a family clearly. And so these are these persons who are separated from their families through amnesia, not Jason Bourne. But I th- although well, he was separated from that family of, of uh, family uh, of assassins. assassins and things like that. Yeah. Those people who I guess they did birth him as this new type of person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's really I mean, certainly my fourth choice also speaks to the what separation is of family. Uh, Robocop. Yeah. yeah. And that's this, you know, uh, uh, Officer Murphy undergoes this extreme trauma of having his arms blown off and his legs blown yeah. off and a hole blown through his head and he becomes this... How was work today, honey? Yeah. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I got I got one arm. <laughs> Good news and bad news. Good news <laughs> and bad news. Um, you know, he suffers this extreme trauma and then gets kind of plopped into this robot body and he's just kind of like this shell of a person. He doesn't um you know, they're as they're putting him in there, as they're turning him into the cyborg, um, they're having these active discussions on like, well, he has some memory still. And they're like, no, get rid of get rid of all of it. Yeah. We're just all we're doing is dumping in our our programming into him. Um, he's, you know, th- they're making this, this collective choice, you know, not to make him a man anymore, even though he's has this, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like this biological component to this robot that they need somehow. They need some the brain to do something where or just a straight up robot just won't work. It just yeah. doesn't. It's just not good enough. It can't quite handle all the processes it needs. It needs the kind of, you know, that brain to do human brain things. But of course, throughout the, the course of the movie, he slowly starts to see the person behind the mask. He sees the humanity there and he starts to remember like some of his his own um, family, mm-hmm. his wife and his child. And he visits the the home that he and he just goes it just like he's like this great there's this great like frankenstein monster moments where he's just like enraged over like what has been done to him they've turned him into this thing and he eventually kind of does another you know he has another shock thing where he jams like his little shock instrument thing into a thing and he kind of electrocutes himself a little bit and he just kind of remembers who he is Mm -hmm. and he's able to kind of be these two parts in the same body he's able to be Murphy, but now you know, Robocop. Seventy percent yeah. of him is a robot, mm-hmm. but he's still the, he's still a person there, and that's who he is going forward. Yeah. But, um, it's just interesting, you know the just the corporate nature of like ah, oh, just get rid of it's it's yeah. easier to do it without. Just do a full full rewrite of the memory, and then we'll just yeah. go from there. We don't need any personality. At some point, he still has another arm, and like lose the other arm. We don't need. It's fine. He's we don't need the other arm. Just yeah. Cut it down, just you know, just lose it. It's mm-hmm. fine. But I don't know. You know, it, his his trauma is from losing his humanity, but also losing his yeah. connection to his family, which is all kind of tied together. What I think is interesting about that is because it brings up the idea of, of identity. Because uh, in some cases, the uh, it's almost like they become another person. Like RoboCop is now almost like Win- Winter Soldier mm-hmm. is almost another person. Yeah, I think sure. even Get Out, they have their brains put into another body. You know, I always wondered what Darth Vader, <laughs> what the Anakin that is left inside of Darth Vader, could fully remember. Did he always fully remember um, what he had done, or was there some part of him that was uh, so um, lost in the maiming <laughs> that, hmm. that that happened to him that? Uh, because his voice changed, <laughs> his, his his height changed, all, all this other stuff had changed. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I you know with Darth Vader, it seems that he's just, uh, you know, this creature that's just consumed by hate and his memory of yeah. what had happened. I mean, you know, when you first meet him, he seems, you know, he's so imposing. But then by the second movie, he's God, he's so compelling mm-hmm. when he's just telling Luke, "I am your father." It's yeah. just so like, oh my goodness, this is this isn't just a robot man. This is a this is a dad reaching out, yeah. but also crazy, power hungry, and wants to destroy the Emperor yeah. as well. Um, and then I don't think he 
forgot anything. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't uh-huh. know, but maybe who knows what who knows what the dark side brings. Well, he has a different voice. He has a different I know he's got a voice. Okay, anyway. All right. <laughs> um okay, uh Man Freddy. All right. So what's the comedy adage here, Jeff? You're the uh, comedy expert. Okay. So the first time you do something, it's funny. Yeah. Right? Second time, slightly less funny. Slightly less funny. Third time? It's not funny. Either. What about the fourth time? Now that's funny. Now it's funny. <laughs> this is the premise basically behind the Saturday Night Live skit, Mr. Short-Term Memory. Okay, yeah. <laughs> where, wherein Tom Hanks in the first one uh, shows up at the hospital where, and it's always Phil Hartman who is like the uh, beleaguered uh, guy who has to deal with him, where his buddy has broken his leg and is now in the hospital, and he shows up with flowers. Mm-hmm. But of course, as we have seen in the theme song that it yeah. came before, uh he has been bonked in the head by a pair uh. and now has no short-term memory. <laughs> so it leads to just basically a walking Abbott and Costello sketch mm-hmm. yeah, where he would walk in and say, oh, I'm s- I heard about you being in the hospital. I just brought you some flowers. Oh, then Phil Hartman would go, oh, well, well, thanks, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for what? <laughs> oh, for bringing me these flowers. Flowers? <laughs> Yeah, because I'm in the hospital. You're in the hospital? Yeah. Oh, my God. What happened? Yeah. And it's just about four or five minutes of yeah. just him panicking and crying, call the nurse in because he has a broken leg. And then the yeah. nurse comes in. Then he realizes that they're in a hospital. Then she leaves. <laughs> then he realizes his leg is broken again. And it just kind yeah. of goes on and on and on. Yeah. And they would do later sketches. There's one where he's on a game show. And, of course, he would buzz in to answer a question and then have no idea why they're asking him these questions. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, uh, mainly I chose this because I knew that my choices were kind of dark, <laughs> to be <laughs> yeah, honest sure with you. I wanted to take a look at the wackier side yeah. of amnesia. Hilarity. The hilarity, hilarity. That can, the hilarity that can ensue uh-huh. when you don't when you have no short-term memory. It's yeah. sort of like the uh, gonzo flip side of memento, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, was this a Hank's runner? It was a Hank's runner, wow. yeah. I guess had some history with SNL. Oh, sure. I mean, he's Mr. Five Time Club. Wow. I think he would be 10. Oh, he's much more yeah, than that yeah, at yeah. this point. Um, he was actually on the other night when Paul Rudd made it to the Five Time mm-hmm. Five Timers Club, and he came oh, in and did the yeah. little thing. Um, but yeah, this is one of the Tom Hank one, Hanks ones I really remember, and it works because Tom Hanks is able to go from that sincerity of, oh my God, you're in the hospital, yeah. to like this, the over-the-top kind of earlier Tom Hanks of, yeah. You broke your leg. <laughs> what? Yeah, Woody. Yeah, getting it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was just, it was one of my favorite Saturday Night Live sketch, sketches of that era. Mm-hmm. And it's just based on the most cartoony possible yeah. premise yeah. you could possibly have and the most cartoony sort of Up there with impl- ma- implementation of amnesia yeah. that you could possibly have. It is literally him getting hit in the head with a mallet, basically, Michael. Mm-hmm. Love like it. massive head wound Harry was probably the yes. week before that. <laughs> these big high concept sketches. Yeah, they had a whole stretch of these where it was like, th- mm-hmm. take the character, put him in a sit- fake sitcom, yeah. and then we'll do something with him for three minutes. Yeah. Like, like Toons is the driving cat. Can you imagine? Tom Hanks was probably in the middle of doing like Philadelphia or Forrest Gump, and Lauren Michael goes, listen, Tom, I think we've got an idea for a movie for Mr. Short-Term Memory. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay yeah, Lauren. Get right on that. <laughs> yeah, okay, Lauren. Let me, let me call CAA and see if they want to do this. What an amazing... Um, it would be like you're, you know, you're, you're in the Warner Brothers uh, 
you know, uh, orchestra, and then somebody walks in with a Stradivarius. That's what like Tom Hanks is in sketch comedy. Yeah. This guy was like this amazing. And I don't know. Actor. Did, did he have like a improv background or anything like that? Do you know? I don't. I don't know. I don't know where he got his comedy chops. I just saw him on a. Well, speaking of, it's not amnesia, but um, there's an episode of Taxi. Do you remember, audience? Um, if you haven't left us already, this will be what walks you away <laughs> permanently. But Taxi, the sitcom where. Reverend Jim Ignatowski is the uh, drug-addled uh, uh, space cadet, taxi driver, and boy, boy, two Christopher Lloyd references in one. Yeah, yeah. we're really yeah, on after it, aren't we? Yeah, and then they do a flashback of where Jim first tried marijuana, <laughs> and it turned him into Jim, and he was the straight-laced college uh, um, uh, um, aspirant, and the one who didn't want to t- take drugs, but Tom Hanks was his roommate. Mm. And was playing, was staring at a lava lamp and, and doing all the druggy things. Yeah. Uh, but, and he just played it for huge comedy. Okay. We did it. Or did we? Mm, did I it? believe we did. This episode is about <laughs> <laughs> amnesia. Uh, let's go. Okay. It's the, uh, I definitely want to do Muppets Take Manhattan because uh, it's so charming and so fun. And, um, because it makes me want to go back and watch both of these films, um, Adam's Family. Or, uh, and it was such a cool story, um, Agatha Christie. So I want to do that. And I want to go um, and um, watch Hanks do those sketches again in Mr. Short Term Memory. So this has been the Mount Rushmore of Amnesia. Don't forget about us. I'm always Jeff. I'm. Oh, shit. Oh, no. I'm... Oh, no. Get the mallet. <laughs> I was going to hit him anyway. There's <laughs> well, a good reason. I'm Agatha Christie. <laughs> oh, God. We'll try to work this out over the week between this and the episode. I'm Michael. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>